Welcome back to the School of Calisthenics podcast with Tim and Jacko. And today we have a fantastic guest, a friend of ours that has known Tim a very long time. I'll let Tim do the little introduction. Yeah, we've been joined today by Ollie Marchin, who's I've known, for, oh, I don't know, since pretty much the entirety of my career as a strength and conditioning coach. He was one of the athletes that I trained as part of the rugby squad when I was working in university sports at Nottingham Trent. Um, always been an exceptional athlete himself, great mindset, his dedication to training, and he's come through his rugby career. He then became a strength and conditioning coach, and I was fortunate enough to mentor him through that one year sort of process. And he's gone on to do some really great and exciting things in the industry, and he's just got he's such a knowledgeable guy he's got so much experience from his own practices how he shapes his own lifestyle and training um, and now how his that philosophy is is sort of feeding into what he's doing from training people in the gym that he runs and owns and, and now into a, an academy for coaches wanting to learn more such a good guy um, also just to note, he's super humble, super friendly, just wanting to always share the best of what he's got. Uh, and somebody who I, I, as a coach, aspire to be like and look up to. So I couldn't, it just seemed like a perfect opportunity to get somebody on the co- on, the, on the podcast who's got it's a little bit of history in the game between Ollie and I, and yeah. a little small bromance. He's maybe. got, a, yeah, he's got a unique uh, relationship having been through that whole process of being coached by Tim, being mentored by him, and now being a, a peer. And uh, Ollie is very honest in the podcast and um, shares an awful lot about his own uh, journey that you'll all be able to relate to and learn from and um, really break down his philosophy on fitness and how uh, the sort of work ethic and uh, earning everything that he's done is um, it's a, it's an inspiring message and a motivational one that I've taken on for sure and we hope you do too. So. Uh, sit back, relax, and enjoy uh, this podcast with Ollie Marchin. So, Ollie, welcome to the Scorecard Sense podcast. It's a pleasure to be here, boys. Um, and so, just for there may be one person listening um, that does hasn't yet come across your herd uh, about your followed your extensive Instagram stories of just beasting people at the, your gym there. But there's, give you've got a really interesting background. Uh, we're going to delve into lots of it more later. Um, but just give us a bit of a, an insight into like where, what you started doing, where you've come from, how you know Tim potentially, which we'll go into a bit more detail, and then uh, and then what you've actually moved on to now. Sure. So um, firstly, as I say, it's a pleasure to be here, guys. So thanks for having me on. Uh, a bit of background about Ollie Martian. So I'm going to use some words that still make me feel a little bit uncomfortable, really. But I guess I started off uh, wanting to be a professional rugby player um, as, a, as, a, as a kid. Um, and when I left school, I, that, that sort of dream became a, a bit of a reality with a short-term contract um, at a club called Saracens down here, um, local to me. So nine months into my contract, I snapped my cruciate ligament, which meant that my rugby career was sort of stopped short. And I was, it was quite an extensive injury. Um, so then I looked to go to university uh, as a bit of a fallback. During my time at Saracens, I'd studied a college course doing a YMCA gym instructors, which is kind of, that was my other passion was, was, was training in the gym, having always been um, going to gyms from a young age, sort of 14, 15 years old, and seeing the benefit of, of training. So I went to university and studied the only thing that I, I kind of thought would interest me, which was sports science. Um, and at that time, for my first year, I couldn't, couldn't play rugby because, again, my injury was still was still lingering um but i got more and more into into the gym and the, and the weights room and training 
uh, as a whole. Got my sports science degree uh, and wanted to go back into playing rugby, but I'd now had this passion for training and fitness. So I um, enrolled, well, during my time at university, I was fortunate enough, as you touched on there, to be coached by Tim um, and a company called Sport981 at the time, who were a strength and conditioning provider for the, for the university sports teams. Um, so during my second and third year, uh, I was captain of the rugby team there and I was working quite closely with the SNC coaches as an athlete on the other side of things. And then when I graduated from university, um, I saw training and being a coach as a way to fund myself, potentially going back into professional rugby because I knew it would be self-funded for the time being, trying to work my way back into it. As a 21-year-old, you know, falling out of the of an academy system and not being involved for a couple of years, it would be a, you know, a bit of a graft to get back in. So I knew there needed to be a contingency plan. And I managed to graduate with a first-class degree, so I knew there was something there in terms of my, my knowledge and application for learning and, and wanting to, to grow. <laughs> It's nice to have someone else on the podcast that's got a first class degree to. <laughs> anyway, continue. So, so yeah, the, the opportunity arose to, to get on the, the mentorship with, um, with Sport 981. So effectively be mentored by Tim uh, and grow myself as a coach working again with the, with the university sports team. So I was familiar with the setup. Um, it was only a couple of days a week that I had to travel back to Nottingham um, and I could live down here um, in Hertfordshire, set up my personal training business, and I'd connected up with a, with a semi-pro rugby team at the time. So all was kind of good in that sense. And then during that first year is a, with my finishing internship or mentorship, whatever we, we, we want to call it, um, I was gaining that practical um, application of coaching experience and working on the gym floor, working with different athletes. And I was also quite confident in setting up myself as a, as a freelance personal trainer, which I did in the local gym. So again, working the gym floor, working with a, any sort of clientele that came through the gym door, um, doing the, the usual cold calling people, offering free sessions, and just developing myself as a coach. I think I went a little bit too far down the performance route, and I, I, I wanted to put this label as a strength conditioning coach on my back straight away. Um, you know, being uh, coming out of a, a sports science degree and doing the SNC stuff up at Nottingham, working with athletes that had aspirations of being professionals or taking their sporting capabilities. As far as they could, I looked to install that with Susan at the local leisure centre in her weekly tennis, her weekly tennis game. Um, rightly or wrongly, but yeah, it, it served the purpose. I grew a good personal training business. It funded me back into rugby. Um, I was lucky enough then to play uh, professionally again with with England sevens for a couple of years. The whole time, um, still doing the training, the training bit. It meant that I had to move away away from performance sport and more into gen pop because that was where it was one, I'll be honest, it was a bit more lucrative and two, it meant that I could run my own business whereas trying to navigate your way in performance sport meant a lot of unpaid internships and a lot of, a lot of dog work that I didn't have the capacity to do whilst I was still trying to be a rugby player. Um, and I was getting exposure to strength conditioning in terms of rugby terms back on the other side of it again as an athlete through, through England and, and various yeah. other, other forms. Um, so then from there, I got to sort of... Um, going on a bit here but I got to sort of late mid, mid to late 20s had a few injuries with, with rugby and I was still able to play but I played the highest level I could contracted finished in sevens um, went and spent some time in America just for some time out three four months worked with a sprint coach out there checked out the fitness industry and then realized that the fitness was really what I wanted to go into um, my time in the weights room within rugby had really sparked a passion for the community side of things, just the, challenge, the daily challenge. It was an environment that I really thought myself I, I could thrive in, um, both as a um, recreational athlete and also as a, as a coach. So I set up uh, a small 
uh, small gym, worked a, a one-to-one personal trainer. Um, that was very successful for a couple of years. And then uh, now moving through to the gym I have now, which is a bit more of a, of a gym. We have five members of staff. I guess that now makes me a business owner. Again, that's the term that I, I, I'm reluctant to always say. But now I'm a coach, business owner. Uh, and I guess more personally, I have other other things on the, on the, on the table with, with a wife and a, and a young child. Um, and more recently now going into mentorship and education for other coaches. Um, as my time on the gym floor decreases, I want to be able to spread my message of, of coaching and, and what I've learned to, to other coaches who are back on the gym floor. Yeah, I mean, you've you've done an awful, an awful, awful lot and continue to do more and more. And I think something that impresses me that uh, I guess I don't know you as well as Tim does, but from, from, from when we have met and from what I see from you and hearing what you what you're doing and and going on to do the work ethic is a massive uh thing that that is very easy to see and uh, i'm sure one of uh, what one reason why you've been successful in things you've done like you sort of brushed over casually that you were at saracens uh, this little club down in london that's one of the best clubs in in the uk um you play in that you were with the group with um owen farrell working through the academy system that right yeah, so, so my age group was was um, a little bit older than that. So uh, Alex Good, um, yeah, pe- people people like that. So I'm, I'm trying to think who's still around. But Adam Powell is retired now. But Alex Good, a guy called Noah Cato, those, those, those sort of those sort of fellas. Yeah. Um, yeah. Owen's a good friend of mine. But he's a few, a few years younger. Um, but even when he was 14, I think he was still knocking around with us 18 year olds and, and teaching us a lesson. <laughs> yeah. So um, you're about yeah. as big as Owen Farrell, aren't you? <laughs> you're about the same size as Owen, aren't you? Yeah, if I stand on a big table. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's so good to hear that. Like, I've obviously known what your story and your background, and we've been in touch since um, since we sort of first met back in, in university um, when I was working as a strength and conditioning coach. And there's some stuff which, just for, for, from my reflection on hearing that, that I think you've done so well in everything that you've done, has taken every opportunity that you've been given, um, or you've come across or you've earned and then how that has shaped you into what you do now. And, and I think one thing that's re- really interesting that I want people to kind of learn from you today is around what are the principles that you've got in place that have made you the athlete that you are? Because let, let's kind of talk about that from a, from a performance perspective, but also how you maintain that sort of standard and, and how you hold yourself accountable to that, even though you're not competing anymore. The things that you do well there and then how you communicate that and share that with your with your clients. So what is your philosophy around training coaching how do they sort of fit together because it is is your philosophy around how you treat yourself in your own training similar or different to how you then can coach and, and work with the clients that come through through the through the gym sure i think rightly or wrongly it all stems from um always having always feeling like i had to prove myself um i guess upbringing comes into it a lot but I had talent, don't get me wrong, I had talent, and, uh, but I probably didn't have the most amount of talent. I wasn't, again, argue, people could argue for and against this. I, I was uh, athletically gifted, but I wasn't the biggest or the strongest or the fastest. So it was always a wanting to prove myself, and that was something that was always deep inside me, whether it was as an athlete or now with a business or as a coach and everything else. Um, so very hard on myself in that sense, um, and always just wanting always thinking as, as a kid that the grass is always green and elsewhere there's always more to be done I can always try and achieve more and push myself further and then I think with the various setbacks from a young age having had a taste of it with with Saracens um, and and then it being sort of like grasped away from me 
then again going to university that, that first year there not playing rugby but coming with a um there was a level of expectation on me because people had known that i'd come from an academy system i was a year older than most most of the people there in, in their freshers year but then i was injured so you know and, and i'm sure people are familiar with what rugby clubs are like at university there's you know the, the rugby team are a very um hard group of people to kind of get in there with and once, once you're in you're in but for that, for, that, for that first year i was a i was identified as a rugby player but I couldn't play. I wasn't able to do anything. I wasn't really mixing with those guys. So, again, I had something to prove. Um, and again, in terms of fitness and, and what I've done with it, that was more proving something to my, I guess, my family and my, and my dad in particular. They all come from a from a business background or a medical background and, and true professions. And when I said I wanted to go and study sports science and I wanted to play rugby and I want to be a coach, it was something they, they didn't really quite understand. Um, well, your dad, you, you told me before that your dad was, used to be quite flippant about you in the gym. And you said, like, Dad, like, just, you know what, come in the gym. I'm actually quite strong. But he wasn't, like, he didn't really get it for a while, did Does he get it now in terms of what you're doing and seeing what you've achieved? Uh, is it, or is he I, still waiting for you to get a proper gym? <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, they always quiz me. They always, like, the family always quiz me. Like, my dad's side of the family comes from a different culture, but they always quiz me on, on how the business is going and that kind of stuff. And I think when you talk about it as a business, they kind of give it a bit of, a bit of respect. Um, but yeah, I don't really think he, he, he fully understands what it entails. Um, but yeah, that was that was the main thing. It, it was just proving to him that there's something behind this. And I guess that's my 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 desire to get that first class degree was that if I'm going to go and study sports science, which to him just meant I was going to be a PE teacher. There's nothing again. There's nothing wrong with that. But to <laughs> to a to a, a man from a different culture who's a um, you know a surgeon it was it wasn't. You know, he wanted me to be a doctor. Um, so I had to go and get a first class degree. That was something that I knew I, I wanted to. I had to do. Um, but to answer your question, I guess, for me, I'm a creature of habit. I'm a creature of just creating order within my environment. I'm a very simple being in that sense. Um, I guess it's like A and B testing different things. If something comes my way and it, it's better than what I currently have set up, then it will stay in. If it comes in and it's, and it's worthwhile and it's taking for a little while, but it's not, then it, I'll drop it back out. Uh, and I guess that's what's given me the ability to have a, a high work ethic and a capacity to do all the different things, whether it be in training, recovery, or business. Um, uh, and, and that kind of thing is just, yeah, to, to block out all the noise, have a clear division on where I want to try and get to. Um, I still have that bit, that sort of, that bit that there's always more to try and achieve. Sometimes I think influential people around me need to, do need to rein me in at times. And sometimes I get the balance of it wrong, like to, to be honest. And I think we all do. Um, again, terms that I don't really like, but things like entrepreneur and all those kind of terms that if you're looking to build a business and, and build something special, I guess you have to kind of get your head around it. You, you might be that sort of person you know, and there's different um, forms of it. Um, we, we all get it wrong, but if you've got a strong network of people that are doing the same thing or on the same journey, like again, like you guys are with what you've done in the School of Calisthenics, that you can bounce ideas off and you can curb sometimes the enthusiasm that he's curbing, um, but then you can also double down on things that, that are good um, and, and, put, and push on. I don't know if that really answers so your question, but no, yeah, 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 it's good. We can we can pick into that a little bit. There's one thing I just want you to start on is um, up on the wall in your gym. You've got a slogan that says "Train everything so you're ready for anything." Yeah, yeah. What does that embody for you? What does that represent? Again, that's so that's a really good point. I think that goes back to probably my time as a rugby player and being like talented across the board, strong, athletic, quick, but not super talented in any one of those elements. So it's almost like being a jack of all trades. And then people ask me, what position did you play? You know, at 15s, I could play fly half. You know, I had the skill set, but I was never going to play the top level there. I could play in the centers because I could carry a ball. I could play on the wing and fullback. 
Uh, and then at sevens, I played on the wing and, and, and at hooker in the front row. So it was just being talented across the board. And I think that's kind of transcended then into my, into my, my fitness and what I do with training is that you could throw me into, I'd like you to be able to throw me into any environment um, or any modality of fitness and I could hold my own. So if someone came in my gym, uh, we'll start with the first example and said, no, take your top off. What, you know, what shape are you in? That I could take my top off and, comfort and be confident and comfortable you know, there that I could mix it with someone who is in um, the physique world. If a sprinter came in the gym and wanted to, to race me, of course they would beat me. They're a sprinter, but I wouldn't, you know, wouldn't look stupid trying to sprint, be it technique or, or, or how much they beat me by. If it was about jumping, same thing. You know, when you guys come down, of course, there are things that you guys do that are not impossible because I know that's you know, something that is, is redefining the impossible that, <laughs> that are very you know, technical and very difficult for anyone to do, even if you're a good level of athlete. But what I found is that I can do elements of what you do um, from just training everything so I'm ready for anything, which is, is something that's kind of served the purpose. So never going to be the strongest with my powerlifting, never going to be the best uh, Olympic lifting with, with, with weightlifting, never been it's going to be the fastest. But I think I get a variety of fitness that allows me to feel good and enjoy all the training that I'm doing. And I can throw myself into a situation, be it in fitness, and I'm not going to come up short. like to interrupt this broadcast today to bring you a customer service announcement and we want to tell you how excited we are about the virtual classroom where our online community of amazing people are working together to redefine their impossible and achieve things in calisthenics that they never thought they would be able to jacko yeah if you've not thought about it yet you should really consider uh, becoming a member of the virtual classroom you become part of that supportive community and you then get access to absolutely every single training program we've got every workout we do every challenge every webinar and there is specific courses in there for everything from beginners to, to handstands and human flags and everything in between you get access to all of it you get to learn at your own pace online with us within the supportive community of people encouraging each other to redefine their impossible guys it's really something special we would love it if you come and check it out and until you do check it out and we see you in there let's get back to our regularly scheduled program oh uh, yeah just just uh, lightheartedly touch on the fact that you, you mentioned the first the first one you said was about taking your shirt off and anyone that's will have seen a few um, pictures of Ollie online and um, I remember when after after little cub was born you started using the hashtag um, dad boy <laughs> um, and um, I've personally seen a fair amount of people like shredders in the flesh. And like some people look better on a photo than they do in real life. When we were down on Saturday, like <laughs> just for, this is for people, like if you haven't gone and met Ollie in person and, and seen him rig out, it is a bit of a thing to behold, to be fair, like <laughs> fair play. Jacko, coming from you, mate, that is one of the best compliments I think I've ever had. Because you are... Well, I remember just, you came to our seminar and that was obviously shirts on at the seminar, mm. but the veins just bulging out of like just casual, like not like pom-pom veins. It's just like, anyway, that's my man crush over. This is the next point that we can pick up on. I'm, I'm jumping on Jacko's question, but it, it ties in really well, is that you've been in good nick since I've known you. So there was, you talk about the days of rugby and getting in and what university rugby was like. You were a different specimen and when we were playing, when we were in the university setup, a lot of the guys were, were doing whatever they were doing. Partying was a big side of it, but you've, you've maintained a level of conditioning, physique and, and um, athleticism in your training for a long time. You were always a guy at university who was in better nick than anybody else. Even when they did like, you did that Nike Spark U test, didn't you come out of like one of the top rated 
athletes in the country. Yeah. Whereas a lot of the guys were drinking beer, taking the shirts off and doing what rugby players do at university. You, you've always had a very different uh, approach and consistency. And I, I think that's the bit for you that, 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 that is standout is that you just do the small things really well and then they actually build up to be something really significant. Yeah, I th- yeah, you've hit the nail on the head there. I think for me, again, it was whether it's an obsession or just a, just a sheer passion for it in, in trying to optimize everything that I can do, whether it's in recovery or sleep or training or what I can offer other people in terms of gym and coaching and that kind of stuff. It's just a just a real desire to want to be better uh, the whole time. And as I say, sometimes that um, that desire and passion can can drain from me too much, and I, I get it wrong, um, but. It's all things that now, you know, for the people on the outside, and this is why I kind of on social media, I share what, what those around me are doing with their food, in particular those close to me, like, like my wife, Lauren, and, and the boys, in that they're still very normal to most people. And I might be you know, very extreme, uh, which I am in, in, in my daily practices and my routines, be it with nutrition and training and that kind of thing. But to me, it's just a complete norm. Um, you know, there were times that, you know, I, I did, I definitely used to drink and I got involved with all the university things and, and, and such like, but uh, I gave up drinking four years ago at Christmas, which again was probably the best, you know, I've drank since then. Um, I can probably count the amount of times on my hands, you know, stag do's and my own stag and that kind of thing. But that, those decisions have allowed everything I've done to accelerate in terms of growing a business, my own physique, my own clarity of thought, my, able, my ability to work. You know, when people are hungover and things at the weekend, I'm able to, to get through another two days of work, 48 hours worth of of work puts me ahead of people a few times up by 52 weeks. That's a lot of a lot of extra work that you can do. Of course, it comes with sacrifice and um, and not being involved with certain certain social situations. But I think from the ages of 15 to 21, don't get me wrong, I feel as I've got all that out of my system. Um, uh, you know, done done a fair bit of travelling, travelled Southeast Asia many times, and say moved to LA. So I'd, I'd done a lot of things I wanted to do. And then it was a, a case of you want to create real change. If you want to become a rugby player, if you want to do all these things that you know you're going to have to work hard to do. Um, as I say, coming out of university at 21 and trying to become a professional rugby player again is, is, is quite difficult, even harder now probably. Um, I had to knuckle down and, and, and get on with it. Um, yeah, it, it, it all boils down to strong habits and routines. I know people kind of throw those, those terms around quite a bit. Um, for me, it's now like brushing, brushing my teeth. It's so automated. Um, but it yeah, really I guess is. it's relative, isn't it? To you've you've been used to that, so it's not as you said. Um, it might what you do now. Someone might look and think that it's um, quite extreme, but to you, it feels normal because that's your norm, and everything's always always relative. I, the thing that the thing that seems to be underpinning it, from what you're saying to me, is this work ethic that you almost that was a, a thread in the story when you were just giving your, your intro yeah. and that a lot of the time I think people see others doing stuff and like social media does this, everyone can show just um, the best bits if they want to. Um, but when we look in at someone, we don't see necessarily that what they've actually done to create that. So what, even when you were injured way back when, before you were trying to get into, um, into professional rugby, that for a lot of people that would be the end and they would um you know just move on into something else and not actually go after the thing that they wanted and every time you have been doing something you've always been like doing something else on the side to keep keep on improving yourself that work ethic rather than i think what i'm what i'm hearing is that you're you're making stuff happen you're going after stuff it's not 
it's not like there's no luck involved in it because you've created it, you've worked hard for it, and that you're driven. It might it even sounds that sometimes it's a it's like almost you set things up to be quite regimented and you're quite like quite clear and focused. And I'm probably going to ask you quite a difficult question of um, you're often saying that the reason why these things are happening is because you're regimented and, and you've got you've got your work ethic and you're quite and you're, and you're driven clearly my sort of question is like the, the deeper why behind those things so they are why you've been successful and why you're able to do what you're doing but like what's driving you to be like that um you men you touched on like trying to prove yourself to your dad as, as one thing from yep. because of going into fitness whereas he wanted you to be a, a doctor um i just think that's that that's the that's the golden question for from from me to like what do you what do you think is it in yourself that's making you be like that have you thought about that before is it yeah i know I, I do all the time and i think it, it's hard to, it's hard to put like pin pin down what the answer is but i, I definitely do think it comes back to upbringing like um, I had a very privileged upbringing, don't get me wrong, but it was, it, my dad was a very, it was very strict. Um, and I remember, you know, instances that as the eldest son, um, you know, I always had to earn the right to be able to go out. I always had to ask permission for things. I always had to make sure there was, if, if I wanted to, you know, go out on Thursday was always my dad's off, my dad's day off. And if I wanted to go out during the summer holidays, I, mean, I had to have done the gardening. I had to have done something to earn the ability to go out, which I guess, Back then, you, you just you resent it, but but now it, it's yeah. it's installed, uh, you know, that work ethic with, within me. Um, I guess it's it's also just gathered pace as I've got a little bit older. I, I messed around so, so I, you know, don't get me wrong, I was I was a loose cannon for a number of years, um, and I I feel as though I remember the meeting I had with Saracens when I'd done my knee nine months in. And back then, so so I live just to set the scene. I live very close to where Saracens used to train. The other boys were li lived in a player's house down here because um, they yeah they'd had to relocate. So back then, after training and things, the boys would be in the, in the in the video room analysis room. They'd look at the analysis, would look go through training, they'd stay behind at the club. I took it for granted, and I'd leave. And my mates that you know, hadn't gone to uni, I'd come back, you know, drive the twenty minute home journey home, and just knock around with my mates in the afternoon. I took it for granted that I'd, I'd been given this opportunity to be a professional rugby player and I, I didn't have the work ethic then that I have now. And then when I had this injury, I'm called into this meeting, and like, you know, you've not done enough in the last nine months to, to prove to us that you're worth keeping for the next 12 months while you, while you rehab. So unfortunately, you have three months yeah. left of your contract um, and that, then that's that. So I did that and then I, yeah, say I went traveling for three, four months in, Thai, in Thailand and Southeast Asia and when I came back, I was like, I've now set myself back in terms of my recovery from my knee. I'm going to university. I'm a year older. I remember that first year of uni. Um, you know, you've got no one to answer to. You can go to lectures or you, or you don't need to. I'd lost all routine. You know, I, I was used to being in the gym at Saracens, doing my prehab at 7 a.m., going out onto pitch and training. Yeah. I'm now in a university hall with a load of kids that are a year younger than me. I've had a year's worth of life experience playing with the likes of, you know, former All Blacks and these kind of people. With with grown men, as I was an eighteen year old, but I'm with grown men, and I'm now with eighteen year olds in university halls that are going out and getting smashed every night. That had an on effect on me. I wouldn't wouldn't turn up to lectures, and it just became a, a case of there's two there's two paths to, to walk down here. You either sort yourself out and get on with it, or you won't achieve what you wanted to achieve. So that that yeah. that helped. Um, 
that sounds like a real sort of almost like turning point and you're able to i've written down um something you said that seems to be like almost like the philosophy that you're able to fall back to that it sounds like that you your upbringing has has given you that you have to go out and earn it yeah yeah so you have to you have to you've it sounds like you almost like apply that to everything and that's that's uh, that's a solid that's a solid phrase to live by. I would be more than happy to. But let's do that. let's bring that into into trading perspective because it's exactly the same, right? People they they look up to people that can do. Let's take it from a physique perspective. They look up to people that can deadlift a, a ridiculously amount, like large amount of weight. They might even look up to something that we can do, Jack. I don't know, like was messing about on our hands or whatever if we were high up yeah <laughs> but you have to the, the same principle applies people a lot of people will send us messages around handstands or they try and do something in the gym or they want to go out and, and run a certain time in a marathon whatever their individual fitness goals might be the point is the whole time you've got to go and do the work nothing's going to come for free and the, the two things that you've done which i think has been instrumental in the success that you've had is that that, that jacko's touched on there you've earned everything that you've gone for but you've consistently done the stuff which adds up to make that make that possible and it's almost when we talk about training athletes you can look at going well let's plan a four-year cycle we're going to try and peak at the olympics or the paralympics in four years time if you focus on that it's too big a goal you have to sort of break these things down reverse engineering it what do we need to do between here and there to make that make that goal a reality how is what your mindset is because as you by your own confession can be quite extreme in your habits and, and the practices that you do on a daily basis how does that shape what you give general population advice who walk in through the gym door? Because you, you can't just package Ollie Martin up and go, this is what you need to do because it's way too much for people. Cool. What you do now has been built over a period of time. So how do you break that down and what journey do you take people on? So if, if anyone's listening to this, they can go, right, these are my takeaways. I want to start to play at a higher level. These are some of the things that I can do from day one to start to make positive changes in my life. Yeah, of course. Or my fitness or my training or whatever. Basically, how can Tim look like you? Yeah. <laughs> so I think that, that would that keep, just tell me that. Don't tell everyone, don't tell Jacko that because he'll I'll, copy. I'll start into DMs later, Tim. We can we can discuss. Um, Thanks. You do that. I think firstly, just to just to touch on the fact is that like athletes, whatever when I call ourselves back in the day, you yourself, Jacko, coming from a professional sporting background, and you, Tim, as well, being an athlete. It's a, it's a certain type of person. A certain type of people will go on to, to run businesses and try and, um, and, and and be athletes and that that kind of thing. So it is a, it is a certain type of person. They're competitive. They are very different to, to other people. To answer your question about when people come into our gym, it is a watered down approach. It's completely watered down. In, you know, in fact, it's diluted as much as possible of, of what I do. But we try and make fitness. And again, there's some throwaway words here that people I guess people use too much in terms of you know fun so they can get adherence and consistency and that kind of stuff. But we just try and, we try and program our view on fitness, understanding that people cannot organize their life around training in the kitchen like I can or like I will. I'm willing to make those sacrifices because they are the priorities for me. I know when I'm eating. Um, I know what I'm going to eat that day. I know, you know, I speak to Lauren and say what, what we're taking out of the freezer for dinner tonight. That's probably the first thing I say to in the morning after good morning. Do you know what I mean? There's, those are things that are kind of ingrained in what we do. Other people aren't like that. It gets to their time to eat and they have no idea what they're, what they're going to eat. And it's something that you guys do very well is that you give people you give people the principles. So you're telling people, here is the beeline straight to what you're trying to achieve, but this is our method of trying to get there. And that's kind of what we do with fitness. It's like whether it's whether it's training or nutrition, it's this is what this is what you need to know to be able to get to where you want to get to. Now, if you like our methods and they work for you and you, they're fun and engaging and you can see this as working as a, as a long-term sustainable development program, then this is the right gym for you. 
if you don't, then we've told you everything you need to know in terms of principles, and there are various other methods in which you can go and do. And that's the same with nutrition. You know, we, we touched on it before this, you know, with intermittent fasting and you know ketogenic diets and all those kind of things. A lot of those methods and a lot of those um, providers of those methods will keep people at arm's distance from that final bit of information, whether it be a calorie deficit or whether it be you know the, the, the notion of progressive overload or whether it be you know you need to frequency in your training, you need to train X amount of times or if people are trying to get stronger but you're selling them you know, an endurance program or, or, or you know, a home hip workout, they're not giving them the principle behind how you get stronger, how you build muscle, we're just saying here's a method that might help you a little bit but it's not going to get you fully fully there. So what we're about giving people the facts behind what, what they're trying to achieve and then our method being just the one that we enjoy coaching, the one that we see as being as being the best. If, if we thought there was something better, then we would we would adopt that. Um, and that's why we adopt different modalities of fitness, be it bodyweight work and gymnastics, or uh, conventional powerlifting, or mixed modality fitness with with conditioning pieces. It's it's different areas of training that have shaped, I guess, how I've become as an athlete. And I think just just to touch on that, what I used to do in the weight room, um, and what strength and conditioning taught taught me is that. You're trying to develop movement and strength in the weight room to transfer onto the pitch, which is a very dynamic environment. There is twisting and turning, there is jumping, there's accelerating, there's slowing down, there's elements of strength, there's elements of power, there's big elements of endurance. And that's, I guess, correlates into, into my view of fitness and what we do in the weight what we do in the weight room, whether it's body weight, with weight, various different loading patterns, various different movement patterns. Um, yeah, hopefully that kind of answers in a roundabout way. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really like the key points in there that you talk about it from it's something we we sort of discussed a bit in the past with Jack and I about. Yes, it's transferred from the weight room for a specific purpose out on a rubber pitch. But what most people need to do from if they're coming into a gym or getting started in training or whatever their journey on, and I can put myself in the same bracket. There's always something else that we're probably omitting from our training to a certain degree because you just for a lot of people it's difficult to spin all those plates all the time is that most people are starting from a point of a level of conditioning and readiness for training, which actually means that life is a pretty challenging event. Like it's not, we're not to go into a rubber pitch, yeah, okay, there's a lot of chaos involved. But for a lot of people, if they're starting with the basics or we haven't done a lot of stability work or we've had falls or we've not jumped for the last five, 10 years, for whatever reason, life and being ready for life and to excel in life from a, just an enjoyment and health perspective I think what you guys are doing, your, your philosophy, that's why I like that, that your, um, your quote so much about training everything so you're ready for anything. Anything life can throw at you, you might have to pick something heavy up. You might want to go for a run. Like, I, I really think that resonates or should resonate with a lot of people because it's, it's so easy to get stuck into a certain channel of fitness. And, and like we, we have that. Like we specialize in calisthenics. It's what, what we really enjoy. But there's still opportunity for us to learn from, from other people like yourself. And we even had an experience of that on Friday when we came down to, to London last week for, for a workout. Mm-hmm. It put us completely in a different comfort zone. Like we're completely, we don't do that type of work. And all of a sudden exposure to that goes, you know what, I'm, I'm missing a piece of this movement uh, system or this movement capacity that I have that I'm not actually currently training. And it has to be enjoyable. People have to enjoy that from an adherence perspective. Like you mentioned that before about having fun. If, everyone hate, if people hate doing that type of workout, 
it's not going to it's not going to um, be sustainable. And you've said something similar about food before as well as like building your nutrition strategies around foods that you enjoy and how that complements with training. So someone can go, oh yeah, go on a keto diet, but if people don't like that way of eating, it's not a sustainable practice. What are your thoughts on that about how those two things go together? Because training and nutrition for you seem to be very closely linked. The sorts of training that you do and how you then eat is complementary. Yeah, fair to say. Yeah. So. Again, with nutrition, I, th- I think like cards on the table. Like before, I got so into nutrition when I was just you know playing rugby and fueling for performance. I was arguably a better athlete, but I still had like by default good habits and routines in place with my nutrition in terms of what I ate and when I ate it, and there was good healthy food. And then as I moved more into the fitness industry and image, and yeah, you know, my own image, rightly or wrongly, became more important to me. Um, I navigated more into nutrition and, and, and looking at it more from a from a, um, a calorie and energy balance and macro sort of macronutrition sort of breakdown. I, the two definitely go hand in hand, but I think both of them, again, if you look at my training journey, it, it spans over 15 years. My nutrition journey spans over almost a similar time frame. So the point that I'm making here is that it's, I've been, I'm so deep into that journey and it's constantly, it's, it's very dynamic. I'm constantly tra- trying different things. And it's the same with you guys. You know, you've got a huge experience of training. Um, across a, a mixture of, fit, of fitness and also you've i know you guys personally as well have, have experimented with different nutrition protocols at different for me there were pros and cons to various different types of nutrition when i was when i was i, I guess it's quite a hot topic for me at the moment because more recently i've moved into a, a very different style of nutrition over the last couple of months in which i've actually enrolled a coach to understand more of and i'm looking more at the um neurological side of, of nutrition and its impact on the nervous system um, and that's been a real eye-opener for me because it wasn't it's not something that's even been on my radar Pre, prior to that it was just about understanding calories as say and macronutrients and, and body composition and getting that balance right of recovery and do can i do everything i'm trying to facilitate within the gym um, but then it has its limitations outside the gym and in social situations and um, and when you add in, you know, the, the pressures of social media and body body image, and that these are all things that even myself would would have to, um, you can't you can't completely block out as a, as a person of fitness and that someone that is seen as always being, as Jack said, is always being shredded and always maintaining um, a level of physique. There are there are there are pros and cons to every diet that I've ever tried. Um, um, but the two, I mean, if you can find that th- the, the one that complements your training. The, the progress you'll be able to make is, 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 is exponential. But again, I think people are looking for that quick fix, whether it's training, they're looking to move as fast as possible in the short amount, shortest amount of time for the, for the biggest amount of gains. When it comes to nutrition, it's like, right, just tell me what to eat. I want to get this as I want to get this weight off. Or I want to be as big as possible, as fast as possible. And that is just not, it just doesn't work. It's, it's, it's just a broken system. And I think fitness is in to some degree a broken system unless there's good voices spreading a good message in whatever message that may be yeah i think we want to we want a very people and i say we i just mean everybody we often get in this trap of exactly what you said um whether it's nutrition whether it's training i think the same we get the same type of thing that we want to ask a really complicated question like what is it that i need to do that's actually quite a complicated question but we want a very simple answer I need to do this or I need to do that. And so when we hear a simple answer, oh, I can just go and do that thing, that magic bullet, that's going to get me the goal I want to do, we will tell ourselves the lie 
that that's going to be correct. And then we try it for a little bit, and then we realise it's not the answer. So then we flip over to then something else and get caught between changing stuff all the time, which doesn't give you any consistency. And it's consistency that's that is really important. I think the answer to the um, is exactly what you've said and what you've done. Just to highlight that point of. You have to experiment, and your sounds like you're you're continuing constantly to do that with your training and with nutrition. Try stuff out. You said before about A and B testing and going. If something if something comes along and I try it out and it's better than I'm currently doing, I'll then adopt that, um, which just is very logical and makes sense. And almost it's that you're quite sort of uh, scientific about the way that you go about implementing those things. And that the the complicated. If you're going to ask a complicated question. We have to embrace a complicated answer of you need to test out and try out and figure out what is going to work to you based upon what like what you guys are doing, these principles. So we'll give people principles for training and the same thing you can do with principles of nutrition. That If it fits within those parameters, then you, you know you're going to be on the right track. But you need to figure out for you what works. Um, and that's from a point of view of... Um, just the both sides of it like what the what the sort of textbook um says is like the right thing to eat along but married with what's practical for you in your life in your in your family in your workplace you know if somebody say somebody tells us right just like a real narrow example you need to have this at lunchtime and that requires you to have a fridge at your workplace. And you don't have a fridge at your workplace? Well, then you just, you, it's, it's a no start, it's a non starter. Mm. So, we just, I think, just want to encourage people that are listening to, to take on board what you said about test things out, try things out, figure out for yourself what's going to work for you. Yes, that's going to take more time, but it's going to give you a longer term solution than a magic bullet. I think that, could, I just think that's yeah, a really that, important point. That comes back point. to Tim's point there is that regardless of what you do, you have to do the work. Um, yes. yeah, that, 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 is the, that is the long and short of it is you have to be able, you have to be willing and able to do the work if it's not a priority for you whether it's your training or your nutrition and you can't do the work yourself then your your expectations need to be aligned with, with the effort you're putting in um, yeah. and uh, you know, it's the same with, you know, yeah, with, with calisthenics it looks sexy right when you, when you, when you get, get that final piece with the flag or the muscle up but the steps in which you need to do to get there require consistency and you able to your ability to follow through and do the work um i spent a year trying to handstand after one of your after your one of your um uh workshops and it was like it was a goal of mine but it, i didn't put the, the time it required into being able to get on my hands and and make that look make that look good you know it was, it was, i was giving it one day a week and i was always looking to try and you know jump a little bit of a shortcut and get through that you know, get to the handstand before i, I don't the right to and that's another that's something yeah. you guys use um, so at that time, the priority probably wasn't big enough for me and I didn't put in the work required. And that's the same with nutrition. I think people, people do want a simple answer, but when you give them a simple answer, it doesn't sound sexy enough for them to be like, okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, they want that clickbait title. They want, they want, um, they want, they want it to be more extreme than it actually is because showing up every day and just doing that little bit to sort of chip away at it. As long as you're not taking a backward step, isn't extreme enough for people. It's not quick enough. It's not fast enough. Um, it's, it's not, not sexy. It's not sexy. It's not engaging. Yeah. Uh, and that's, uh, I guess, that's the problem. And and you know, when people come to our gym, I had a conversation with someone this morning about it. We will never talk about rapid transformation. We will never talk about weight loss um, for 12 months a year. We'll never. We 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 re very rarely put on transformation. In fact, you know, 
have never put on transformation pictures. In the past, I would have done so, but I think with where fitness is trying to go now, with so much noise and social media and people trying to sell that form of fitness, that quick fix, um, that there needs to be more people saying it doesn't actually work like that. And if you do get there, you're going to yeah. fall off a cliff and you're going to be, you know... I think we are hit, and we're seeing, we're seeing more of that, more of a um, just people giving the honest... Um, honest answer up front to people about there's more educated people in fitness now i think that's that's yeah. the thing i think there's more educated fitness when i first started it was physique competitors falling into being coaches off the back of it of you know they had, again I'm, there's some great physique competitors that have gone on to be coaches so i'm not you know time and shame with the same brush but if you had a good some good photo some good photographs done of when you were in shape it automatically gave you authority to become a good coach because you know how to get in shape and fitness back then was yeah. was very much just about being in shape um, it wasn't about move, yeah. it wasn't about different movements and different styles of fitness and and how we could transfer the weight room into running a faster marathon and that kind of thing. Um, but now there are more good coaches coming out of university, falling into mainstream fitness as coaches, uh, not just going down performance route. Um, and there's there's more there's more good coaches doing you know across the board. Yeah, yeah I think that just to finish wrap this this kind of part of the podcast up, then Jack is going to come in and talk about your Stronger Coaching Academy. I literally this morning before we started the podcast flicked up onto social media and saw an article from the Independent on a study done by University of Glasgow, saying that nine out of ten pieces of info, information of, on diet and I think I think it was based on nutrition, maybe fitness, um, given by social media influencers is actually incorrect, and that's the difficult thing of trying to he- seek out people who have got some skin in the game who have actually done some coaching who haven't gone from a PT qualification and started an online blog and and started to reach out and build an audience without actually having any any context or any experience of what does work for yourself and then also what have you then learned about trialed experience with clients tested over time and then come up with a philosophy which means that you've actually got some value to give out it's so easy for people to want to again it goes back to the same point of taking a fast track through to I've got a qualification I want to now go on get a million followers people like you and i will have been in the game and jacko now as well for such a long time that you've come to where you are now as a journey through having done so much work that you're now in a point where you're ready to share that information with other people so we were down with you guys in london last week to talk around um, stronger coaches academy tell us a bit about that and where it came from and what the what the objective and the, and the purpose is yeah, so I guess uh, to touch on that, the main thing for me with social media and things like that is to, just to keep ser- serving our tribes. Um, and that's, I know that's worked very well for you guys, and that's kind of what's worked well for me. So just to, just to serve the people immediately around me. Um, and a lot of those people on my social media are, are coaches and people wanting to they see me as this, as this young guy who's, who's kind of got his, his, his stuff, to get, his, his act together, um, got a gym, got a coach, got a, business, uh, got a coaching business. And they're looking to learn from that. So I was getting asked regularly how I'd done it. And um, myself and um, a good friend of mine who's a top coach, Jens uh, Robinson, decided that we could try and package this together and, and maybe share our knowledge in a, in a more systematic um, and in-depth way. Uh, and also bring together other coaches, such as yourselves, that we can learn from as, as coaches and be able to spread this message together. So the Stronger Coach Academy is essentially a mentorship um, where we're looking, uh, the first, the first sort of phase of mentorship is just to help coaches understand their why, which I know Jacko kind of asked me, what is my why? So first of all, understanding what you're trying to be as a coach, what style, what style of fitness? Are you looking to go online? Are you looking to be in person? Are you looking to be self-employed? Do you want to own a gym? What is the long-term goal? Because I think if you don't sort of set yourself, set that up first and foremost, then you'll get distracted by all the, all the noise that's kind of going on around you. Um, and then once you understand your why, then just 
delivering the very best service you can. Um, and that's something that, you know, we, at the heart of what we do with our gym is just trying to be the best coach and deliver the best service that we can as we see, as we see fit. Um, so yeah, that's basically what Strong Coaching Academy is. We hopefully it will evolve as time goes on and we can um, refine what we're doing with it and improve the content that goes out and improve the, 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 the level of support that we can give people. But that's essentially the basis behind it. Yeah, one of the when we went down to uh, for the launch event you did the other week, we one thing I loved when uh, talking to you and Jen's about it. I think I said to you because I <laughs> looking knowing how busy you are, I was like, why did you start another thing? Like, mm. surely it's just like life is just already too busy. And that the the nice thing about it was that the it almost um, came organically from you, the two of you said that. Um, you see often, or a bit like what Tim said around um, seeing poor information or people like it's very easy for uh, in the particularly in the fitness industry. I'm sure it happens in other um, other industries as well, where there's criticism of how people are doing things, um, and there will often be quite a lot of criticism about how uh, a coach or a personal trainer is is work doing what what exercise they're doing on, particularly in social media, where um, these days the more crazy thing people are doing it is going to get more more likes and more reach and whatever so people it almost encourages people to do quite weird things and then there'd be some criticism about why why are you doing that and people getting a little bit misled and what you uh what you both said um said to me was that what you what you wanted to do is rather than like just joining in with the criticism mm. of other coaches and other trainers like well, why don't we actually do something about it? Because just criticizing people doesn't help anybody. Let's 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 do something about it. Let's get a let's share what we know, but also I like the fact that you're saying let's get a a community of people that are able to then like you know cross share and, and collaborate on how do we actually just move everything forward um, together and learn from each other. And I just think that's a really really quite nice, beautiful way to sort of. Uh, help people out there that are, are like-minded and all trying to ultimately people want to be better coaches and, and, and better trainers um, so that we can do the best for the people we're working with. Yeah, I think that's that Tim just said, nine out of 10, you know, people giving away bad information and probably if I can, uh, yeah, I, I'd, I'd hazard a guess that most of them probably might even know that. And there's another agenda there that's not, they're not trying to give the information to help people. They're trying to give the information to, yeah, for, for monetary rewards or to build a, build a social media following or just to be controversial and or, or you know to get gain a bigger exposure the, the the industry is becoming flooded now with trainers from all different uh, walks of life and they've ended up here you know some have you know legitimately gained an education or come out of sport and and, uh, and have good reasons for being here others are looking for a side hustle or fallen out of reality tv or you know, built a social media following and now an influencer turned coach but there are a vast number of coaches that don't get heard that want to be better um and i think it's those people that we that those people want to that we want to help the growth-minded coach yeah. that that understands that the that the work is never done as a coach you continually develop um and i know again it's a bit of a throwaway comment in our industry that we went into coaching because we want to help people i genuinely think teachers and educators educators and coaches genuinely want to help people it's their you know in in a, in a field in which they're very passionate about um and that's why I know you guys are very the same, but I'm always looking for and you know further CPD for my own development, whatever that may be in, whether it's coming on one of your courses or, or 
or you know anyone that's sort of coming up from overseas over here i'm always looking on the lookout for what can i bring to understand more for myself that i can either use or not use but i, I have those tools in my toolbox to be able to serve the people i serve um, and if we can yeah. give that information to other coaches then again we're casting our net um further and indirectly influencing more people with our with our with our style of training yeah and so um, I wanted to uh, sort of final thing I wanted to just touch on um, because I think it would be it would be a good a good eye opener for people or just insight in that um, you know you're now sharing um, your experience of coaching to help others in that respect and someone that's um, or I know for myself personally like we as coaches a lot of the time what influences how we are as coaches will be the number of other coaches that have sort of either positively and negatively impacted us during our sort of careers. Um, I, I always think about trying to take the best things from all the different coaches I've experienced to try and take those things on board for myself. You've, um, as, a, as an athlete, when you're a rugby player, Tim was your S&C coach. Yeah. And then when you were becoming an S&C coach, he was your, your mentor. And then, and I guess now you have a mutual um, friendship and, and just... Uh, relationship ongoing as as two snc coaches in the field how is what was how has that how has that helped you as a coach but and just interested i'm interested but maybe no, i don't know if anyone else is but i'm personally interested what was it what was the difference between tim as a tim being your coach to tim being your mentor to now being just a a, a mutual a, like a friend on 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 a coaching level Firstly, I'll say that he hasn't aged one bit. The babyface assassin. Tim. <laughs> yeah, he's um, right. <laughs> I think, I, I, I honestly, I, I know Tim. Tim knows this, but I, I cannot speak highly enough of, of Tim and the education I kind of got from him. He has an innate ability to understand. Well, his his breadth of knowledge is is so vast that his ability to relay that information in such simple terms. As I know yeah. that people comment that know Tim and know me, comment that they they almost see the way I coach very similar to, to, to what Tim's done. And I guess that's a testament to, to the way he's, he's coached me. And it's, it's kind of how high, how highly I hold his, his skill set as a coach that it's, that it's, I guess, mirrored through the way I coach. Um, but yeah, I guess that's a time when I really needed to reignite my passion for training an athlete at university. Like he was my first port of call, right? So I'd, I'd come, I'd been 18 months out of the weight room and having a strength conditioning coach. And then Tim was my next exposure to it. So that was great for me, and it, 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 it leapfrogged me back into being the athlete that I went on to be, which was arguably a better athlete the second time around than the first time around because it meant more. Um, again, going back to what we alluded yeah. to earlier about not wanting to, to, to balls it up for the, for the second time. Um, and then, again, the fact that Tim is now so still so relevant within the fitness industry, perhaps now having, again, it's hard to define success, but more success now with what you guys have done with the School of Calisthenics and what he's done in disability sport and going on to, you know, his, his, um, his PhD and that kind of, that kind of his master's and PhD and that kind of thing. Then, then back then, like he's constantly evolved what he's wanted to do and navigated his way to somewhere where he, his own training, his own practice, um, is something that he's now found at a later stage in life. Um, and the fact he's still relevant and still, still around, uh, is, is a testament to him because I think the turnover rate of coaches is between three to five years. Uh, within the industry because they they they, are, they either stop growing as a coach or they can't find the business or for whatever reason um, and that's something that following the school of candidates on the periphery and what you guys have done with social media which is incredible you know far far superior to even what i've done um 
it's something that I'll always, I'll always look up to. As coaches, I think we'll always have those people, those mentors that we need to look up to and, and gain gain information and, and, and further development from. And I see particularly well, Tim as being that person for me. He's always there to to answer any questions I have as well. And perhaps we probably don't we don't you know lean each other as much as we as what as much as we could. I know that five minutes has kind of been me just bigging up Tim, but honestly, I, I can't I can't say it enough how much he. That was an awkward question. Jack, Jack O'Toole was going to ask that question. I was like, oh, yeah. wait, it's going to make me feel really <laughs> <laughs> To be honest, there's, there's not many people that I that I put on a pedestal in life because I'm just that just that way. But in terms of coaching and education that I was able to gain and the way in which I've done it and just how humble Tim is about all those things, you know, working with disability sport when, you know, that's a very challenging job of course there's a very high reward there but the daily challenge that that makes you be the best coach you can be because you're constantly problem solving no one created you know the rule book or the playbook for how you coach those sort of athletes same with calisthenics you're you know you're almost learning on the job you're having to continually understand and refine and do what you do whereas coaching by by a strength and conditioning book is, is 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 very similar you you think of it what we learned with the ukca and it's like painting by numbers. You basically plug in this, this, this training template into every person you ever work with and you go through a systematic way of doing things. And I've seen S&C coaches who have, again, not, not discrediting UKSCA, but I've seen coaches that have done that and then they're, they're applying this, this, this training template to Susan that I tried to do that just wants to play recreational tennis and got her trying to do Olymp- think- Olympic lifts and plyometric exercises that she has no right to do. Um, yeah. 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 The sort of essence is being in the, the SNC world from doing Paralympic sport and doing calisthenics has forced us to grow as coaches 100% um, just because it's it's yeah. so different. And Well, I think just to wrap up on that, because I know you've got a session you need to get on your way to. Um, just to, to, to reflect on your point there, like I feel incredibly um, privileged to have had the opportunity to work with you because, and then also to be to become now as we've gone through the mentorship and become friends. And you've always been somebody from day one that I respected. And the challenging point for me was I had you in that in that rugby squad, and I had about twenty other guys that were on a Friday night at like seven or eight o'clock. <laughs> really didn't want to be there, whereas Ollie wanted to be there, and wanted to train. Yeah. So I wanted to give him the best of what I had, but at the same time I was trying to manage a load of other rugby players who training wasn't their priority and I was actually just some small flipping 75 kilos who didn't know what they were doing doing. but anyway but yeah massively like it again the the, the respect is mutual and I think it's um, I am so grateful that you are still part of my network and you were always somebody who was going to go on to great things you came with the complete package um, in terms of skill set and desire and what you needed to do or you then the only job was you had to just go and perfect your craft and understand who you were and who you wanted to be but there was always something different about you and I still look at what you do now and averaging eight hours sleep for the last 300 and flipping however many days that you managed to do that despite having a one-year-old um impressive and I think it's uh, again like you say it's so important to have these people and I don't have that many people I have a fairly close small group of people that I look at and go that is somebody who I can learn from and I want to aspire I want to be aspire I'm inspired to be like um, and the journey that we've been on together just means that that was we happen to have connected over however it kind of played out from me being a mentor, but then now actually just being a peer. Um, yeah, very cool, awesome that was story. The word I was looking for peer earlier. Yeah, but and I wanted to address that question because there is probably anybody else we can get on the podcast that has been coached by Tim as an athlete, but then also been mentored and then is now a peer as a coach. So it just it's a good it's an insight that's you that you have that's that's unique to anybody else. So thank you for for sharing it.
This has been Ollie Marching on the Playground Session with the School of Calisthenics. Absolute legend. If you want to go and find him, you can check him out on Instagram. Ollie, just give us your quick, where, where do people find you if they want to go and find out more about you, Marching Athletic and Stronger Coaches Academy? Yeah, and just at Ollie Marching on Instagram is probably the best place to find me. Perfect. Yeah, we'll put the links in the show notes as well for that. So apart from saying thank you for coming on, uh, there's nothing else for us to say apart from until next week. Class dismissed. Uh-huh.